Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be doing a little Libra season Q&A. I hope that you're having a wonderful Friday afternoon on this uh, temperate fall uh, Friday. And, uh, you know, we're just going to hang out for an hour or two and uh, take some questions, whether they're astrology-related, tarot-related, football-related, gardening-related, whatever you want to talk about today, whatever will bring you back into equilibrium and into balance. Um, if you are joining me today, please uh, put a little notification in the chat box here. Let me know where you're stopping in from. Just going to welcome a few friends here. Luna Storm is here, says, morning. Sorry about the Packers game. Yeah, Luna Storm. Is... <laughs> I stayed up last night watching the Packers. I actually fell asleep at halftime, so I didn't even get to see the halfway decent comeback, but not good enough. It was a uh... It's kind of a butt kicking so yeah thanks for the uh commiseration there monique is here happy friday everyone from los angeles california nice to see you mo a fellow packers fan you know we did a horary before the before the game and it did not look good their mars was in libra conjoining the south node in the 12th house for the packers and that's not a good sign uh in a sports horary so you know at least we got a little heads up from astrology uh, Mr. Hindsight is here, says, greeting from San Francisco. Happy full moon. Yes, happy full moon, friends. We are coming together uh, on the full moon in Aries. So lots of lots of energy in the air today. Maybe, uh, you know, we'll break down how that's going for all of you if you're having some challenging circumstances or if you're just feeling, uh, feeling the, the vibes, just let me know how things are going. Uh, Laura Elizabeth says, happy full moon, everybody from Vancouver, USA. Nice to see you, Laura. Thank you for joining us. And LunaStorm23 is here. Uh, let's see. Oh, Marsha Lindsay is stopping in. Hi, Spencer. Jersey girl here. Eagles, baby. 3-0. <laughs> Looking forward to your talk today. Happy full moon. Well, Marsha, yeah, I picked the, picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, <laughs> they are, they're doing pretty good so far. And I've got Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown on my fantasy team. So, we need to get some more targets for AJ Brown there, Marsha, and get him get him a few more passes. But uh, yeah, it's exciting to see your team do well. Kazma Shiva Galaxina is here. Says this is the season of the witch. Libra's come to power finally. Unicorn Blackheart. Yes. Well, welcome, Yevgen. Yeah, that reminds me of that Donovan song, uh, "The Season of the Witch." Uh, good tune. I used to cover that at the farmers market. Um, okay. Yeah. So. More people stopping in uh, today. You know, my intention here today is just to answer all of your astrology questions. We can talk, you know, about the full moon. We can talk about the upcoming eclipses. We can talk about Libra in general. We can talk about tarot. Whatever it is that it, that uh, inflames your heart, <laughs> this thing. I did want to make a few announcements before we dive in. Um, so first thing, if you are enjoying this video. Please do me a huge favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends. I also have a newsletter that you can sign up for. Uh, that's a great way to find out when I'm going to be going live and uh, announcements and discounts on all my classes and services that I provide. I do readings, I do counseling, I do all of these different things, I teach classes. I do have a really exciting class that's coming up this Monday. Okay, so we are in the final hours of being able to sign up for the Deccan Walk. Uh, I am going on a journey that is going to be an entire year of going together on this journey where we are going to be experiencing uh, the astrological Deccan circle of the year. 
And that's pretty exciting. I'm pretty excited about this. I'm going to see if I can share my screen here. Here you can see some of the information about the deck and walk at my website, spencermichaud.com. There's a link to this in the chat right now. So this is an exploration of the 36 decans or faces. The faces are basically 10 degree sections of the zodiac. And they each have different symbolism associated with them. There's different fixed stars in each 10 degree sections. There's a tarot card associated with each that can give you some amazing insight into your chart and the planets that you have in your chart, your rising sign, etc. There are spirits, the ancient Egyptians assigned to each decan that can help bring us insight as well. So you could check this out. They're, they're basically these lenses that we're going to look through. Um, I did 12 decan webinars that uh, were about two to three hours in length where I went over all of these decan uh, significations in depth and you will get that as part of the course. Uh, it's included in the course. We will meet twice every month uh, for roughly a couple hours, two to three hours sometimes. So this is on the first and third Monday of every month. We're going to be doing what I like to call collaborative storytelling where we're going to be able to share our experiences while connecting it with the symbolism that we are going to be learning about. Um, I have a PDF workbook for you to work through. We've got a private members only discord where you're going to you can ask questions and build community with one another in between sessions. Uh, workbooks, flashcards, special downloads of those webinars as well. Um, it, yeah, it's over 30 hours of informational material that will be part of the course. So I'm pretty excited about this and the last day to register is tomorrow. So registration closes tomorrow. It is uh, going to start on Monday and we've got a nice little group that's forming. So I hope that you will, you will join us. Um, there are payment plans available if you want to split up the cost over the course of a, the, a monthly payment plan. If you already have some of the deck and webinars, you can also get a discounted price as well. We are going to be reading T. Susan Chang's 36 Secrets along with the class and kind of going through that as a, as a yearly book club as well. So I'm really excited about this. Check this out. There's a link in the chat and the description of this video. And I so, so, so hope that you uh, will be able to join us. And just reach out if you have some questions about it. And uh, if you are on the fence and you're like, well, maybe I need to get this question answered, send me an email, spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. Uh, I would just love to find a way to work with you to, to make the class possible for you. So excited for that. Uh, and yes, um, we've got some comments here coming in about the deck and walk, which is very exciting. We've got a couple people in the chat that are already signed up. So it's going to be really, really exciting to do that as well. Carol from Mass is here. says, best wishes for the deck and walk pilgrimage. Yes, it is going to be kind of a pilgrimage. We're going to be going through and connecting the, the symbols with our lives that we're living in real time, which I think is very powerful. We're going to be examining many charts over the course of the year together. We're going to be looking at our own charts. We're going to be reflecting on how some of the themes of each decade play out in our personal lives because they play out in, in all of our charts, whether you have that on your Ascendant or, or in a house that is an aversion to the Ascendant. There's always some kind of area where that energy is going to be playing out. Right now we're experiencing the first decade of Libra. So there may be something in your life where you're potentially becoming aware of someone else's perspective. You may be aware of an imbalance in your life. You may be aware of something that is potentially bringing 
up some righteous indignation or righteous anger, maybe even on behalf of somebody else. And so some of those things are things we could explore as a group as well. Um, let's see. Jennifer is here. Hello from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I see you, Jennifer. And welcome Stella Rendition from New York City. Uh, yeah, so Deck and Walk starts on Monday. Sign up. Registration closes tomorrow, Saturday. So if you, you still have today and tomorrow to reach out to set something up or to sign up, there's a link at my website in the book now tab at spencermashow.com, or you can click on the link that's in the chat here today. Uh, send me an email to set up a, a payment plan if that's something that you would like to do, and I'd be happy to get that rolling for you. Um, I also have a, one of the individual Deccan webinars are on sale for 20% off. The Deccans of Libra are on sale right now. You get the two and a half hour, three hour webinar. You get the Deccan flashcards, uh, and you get PDF of the slides. So take advantage of that if you want to uh, learn piecemeal. Okay, friends. Okay. And of course, as we as we come up on eclipse season, I, my books are open right now. If you wanted to reach out to do transit reading, uh, natal reading, astrologically astrological tutoring, all of those things, books are open. So if you're needing some guidance to get through these these challenging uh, chapter markers, I'd be happy to work with you as well. Jennifer is here. Jennifer, Jennifer, Jennifer. Kate is joining us. Hello, Kate. Nice to see you. Okay, friends. What astrological questions do you have for me today? You have me for a, a little over an hour, potentially. And, uh, whoops, there goes my, sorry, there goes my coaster. I'll have to pick that up. But I'd be happy to take a look at a chart. You can sh shoot me a birth time. You can shoot me a placement question. Uh, it would be... We could take a look at the sky and, and the transits coming up. This is your time. What do you think? Monique says, looks like you have a lot of people who would like to take the deck and walk next year. Am I sensing an annual course offering? Um, potentially. We'll see. A year is a long way, way away, and lots of things can change between now and then. But if it is popular enough that people want to sign up again, then I will consider it. Uh, but this is your chance right now to get in on this uh, for the next year. And like I said, a year is a long time. And uh, be happy to work with anyone who is on the fence and trying to make it work. Uh, Monique says, how do you work with the lunations and general recommendations for eclipses? Uh, okay. So, friends in the chat, make sure that if you have a question for me, put... put uh, question in all caps before your question that helps me to differentiate between a comment and a question. Um, how do I work with lunations? Well, lunations are the relationship between the sun and the moon. And the way that I consider the energies of the sun and the moon has to do with the clarity of the mind, the intention of the soul in relationship to the sun, uh, so I think this is the sun basically shines a giant spotlight on a particular area of our life. The moon is sort of a, uh, it is related to the body. It is related to being able to collect all of the energies of the other planets, the sun included, and transmit them down to the earth. This is what the, some of the ancient philosophy around the sun and the moon. 
the moon is related like to a it's a timekeeper i think of the moon as a as a music box cylinder that is striking the keys of the planets as it rotates around so what we are seeing is we i i feel with these lunations that we have a certain awareness wherever the sun is at right now it's in the first 10 degrees of libra so you may be having an awareness of a relationship challenge potentially or a relationship issue or a social issue and the moon is collecting that light and infusing it into a body and when it comes to like this opposition potentially right when we have the so you get the seed of that that uh fruition at the new moon you're infusing purpose into the body of the moon when it goes through the cycle there are different stages there's a first quarter moon where we're struggling to bring something into existence as the moon waxes we get to the full moon and then we have the 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 flowering okay we have the the manifestation of the energy that was planted at the seed of the new moon there's also an opposition involved with it there is sometimes a tension between our our intention or our spirit are the what we are trying to achieve intellectually and spiritually and the physical situation that we may find ourselves within in this particular full moon that we're experiencing today there may be a tension between our own desires with the moon in aries and an awareness of how we need to work with others to be able to find a an equilibrium and a balance so there may be because you have an awareness of a relationship and balance it may cause you to need to strike out on your own in some area of your life it may encourage you to sever and separate from a collective energy which is the energy of aries so uh, and, and and as we go through the end of the lunar cycle we then see the the fruits of that flowering okay we disseminate the information that we've learned that we've come to an awareness of we co we come to the last quarter phase where we are trying to we come to another crisis point i will say and that's an existential crisis where we might be changing our minds on something because of the information that we've learned we may realize that we have to start letting go of something as as the moon starts to wane and lose light we are starting to release things that we may have become attached to and this cycle continues every single month we have a cycle of increase and gain and we have a cycle of letting go sometimes like we see with eclipses when they are very close to the north or the south node these cycles can be much bigger as in as far as new beginnings or or related to endings the eclipse that we have coming up in the middle of october is very close to the south node uh, and the south node according to ancient astrologers was a place where energy was leaving the physical plane where we were trying to compost certain things in our life and let go of them so this could be a very powerful new beginning new moon eclipse powerful meta cycle that is longer than the 30-day cycle the normal 30-day new moon and maybe related to an ending maybe the beginning of an ending so as far as working with them I, I try to pay attention to what is going on in my life that I need to either begin or bring to a completion I also as far as working with them try to have grace for my own mental and emotional state during various phases of the moon 
I'm a Cancer Sun and Mercury, so I'm very much affected by these these two bodies. And I, I feel like at, at new moons, we often can set intentions. Again, if it's very close to the south node, it could be the intention to let something go. Um, and at full moons, I try to... Hmm... What do I do at full moons? I don't know if you actually do anything at a full moon. The full moon kind of does you. <laughs> I think that that's kind of the thing. Like something is coming to fruition and you're kind of seeing the results of your actions over the previous few uh, lunar cycles. So for example, this past couple weeks, I've been both, I've been trying to balance doing promotion for my deck and walk and getting people signed up and trying to you know, get people involved with that, with that and educate them about what it's all about. And I've also had this other large project involving getting my pollinator plants in the ground. So I've, we've been doing a lot of work with that. We've been digging up turf, which is very labor intensive and very exhausting and getting these plants in the ground before the frost comes. So fall is a great time to plant uh, like pollinator plants because you're basically getting them in the ground in a time where it's not super hot in summer, where they may have difficulty uh, with the heat, uh, but that it, it lets them over winter so that when the spring comes around, they can flourish in the next season. So I'm trying to get that done. And so balancing those two things and seeing the, the results of our work, which will probably happen this weekend as we continue to finish it, is sort of that coming to fruition. And I've been working in tandem with my partner. Uh, it's been a lot of teamwork, a lot of Libran teamwork to get that done. Um, but it may take drive, yang force, the moon and Aries, to this a final push to get it all done. Same thing with the Deccan walk. There may be some people that were, are interested this weekend that there may be this final push to get to get people signed up and get that thing started. So I hope that that answers your question, Monique, and is helpful and beneficial for you. Um, Carol's asking about a lot of fortune. Okay, I'm just going to look at just going to look through the chat here and Kate is asking about looking at Libra season through the lens of the equinox chart. We can do that. Aaron's got a question here. Um, and I will get to that too. Jennifer. Okay. So we've got some good questions here. Love it. So I'm going to kind of go in order in the chat here. Carol's asking about the lot of, of fortune. Um, do you have a specific question, Carol, about the lot of fortune or just kind of like how we would use it? or things of that nature. I guess I can start speaking towards it if Carol wants to clarify a little bit. Um, in a chart, a lot of fortune looks like this. So right now, as I'm recording this, uh, let's see, let me see if I can put this on clock. So as I'm recording this, the lot of fortune is in Cancer. Second decan, or first decan of Cancer. Um, and you can see it's, it's represented by a circle with a little X through it. Lots are uh, sort of hypothetical points in the chart or mathematical points, geometrical points within the chart that are based on the relationship between two planets, the distance between two planets that are then projected out from the ascendant. 
And that sounds complicated, but this is a way Hellenistic astrologers would calculate various issues and questions related to uh, your parents, related to your soul purpose, related to your body, related to um, how you handle conflict. Uh, a lot of fortune is, is related to the moon. I believe that there's two formulations with that. It's the distance between the sun and the moon, which they are flipped for day to night, and then it is projected out from the ascendant. So like, for example, here we have, since we have a distance that is a, basically a full moon, uh, we take the shortest arc of distance between them. So here is the arc of distance. This one's a little weird because it's a full moon. It's a little bit easier to demonstrate. But then, so we have this arc of distance, which right now is almost 100, maybe a little bit over 180 degrees because it is in opposition. So it's probably 186 degrees, if we are being exact here. And then we take that 186 degrees and we project it out from the ascendant and it gets us to two degrees Cancer. So 186 degrees away from this ascendant of 27 degrees Sagittarius is about two degrees Cancer. And everyone has one of these in their chart. Um, if it was the lot of spirit, I believe you'd just take the opposite arc of distance between whichever, you know, sun or moon that you were uh, trying to calculate this with. It, it changes if you have a day chart or a night chart. A, a day chart is when the sun is going to be completely above the horizon or the ascending degree, I guess I will say. So here we have a day chart. So I believe the formula is taking the distance between the sun and the moon. Okay, and then projecting it out from the ascendant. Now you can see too, this is kind of, I think, neat. There's, if you put the ascendant, or right, if you put the moon, the sun, right on the ascendant, excuse me, what you'd do is you'd kind of take the, the same distance from the moon. Like let's say you, you, you made a chain link between the sun and the moon, and then you just shifted it over to the ascendant, you, that would give you kind of the similar position for the lot of fortune. And hopefully I'm not making this too confusing here. Um, but what is it though? So I've told you how you calculate it, but what is it? The lot of the moon was more about determining the physical conditions of someone's life related to the body, related to fortune, related to the kind of the the experiences that they may have that may not be completely 100% conscious or within their control. Uh, they, fortune was also called 2K, and it was 2K was distributed randomly. So a lot of times Hellenistic astrologers will do what's called zodiacal releasing, where they will, uh, they will release from that particular point. And releasing basically means we're seeing how many years uh, a planet will be your particular time lord okay so in this case with the lot of fortune and cancer the moon would be a time lord for your body so if this was a natal chart the moon and aries would be a, a time lord okay so each planet has a different number of years uh, planetary years that it is active as a time lord so 
With Zodiacal releasing, you can release from a number of different points. You can release from the lot of fortune to determine what kind of maybe physical health you may be dealing with or what kind of fortune you may have that is uh, somewhat outside of your control. A lot of, if you re release from the lot of spirit, that's more about your conscious intentions. I use the lot of spirit for zodiacal releasing quite a bit more than the lot of fortune um, because I find that it's sort of easier for the person or myself to feel like, oh yes, that's sort of what I'm feeling like I'm trying to achieve consciously. So for example, my lot of fortune, or I'm sorry, lot of spirit ruler is in uh, a Saturnian sign right now. So Saturn is my time Lord for like the next 30 plus years because the planetary cycle of Saturn is 27 years, I believe for Capricorn and 30 years for Aquarius. So you have a total of 57 years of, of Saturn if that becomes your time Lord in your lifetime. And my shift from Jupiter to Saturn because Jupiter was my uh, time Lord from lot of spirit at one point in my life in my early 20s to my mid 30s. Uh, I was doing a lot of fifth house matters and I, Jupiter was the ruler of my fifth house. I was doing a lot of uh, music. I was doing a lot of like child rearing. Um, there was a lot of things related to that. And once my time Lord shifted over to Saturn, my life changed quite a bit. I started doing astrology professionally. I became a, much more of a hermit. I, I was a, a lot less interested in being social and a little bit more interested in privacy and things like that. And my whole mindset went from wanting to just travel all over the world to more like, okay, I need to kind of like solidify my life on a lot of levels, the transition from Jupiter to Saturn. So that's one way that people use the lot of fortune. Um, it can get a lot more complicated than that as far as like, you know, you can also create an alternative chart from a lot of fortune. I highly recommend Demetra George's book, Astrology, uh, the Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, Volumes 1 and 2, where she talks a lot about uh, incorporating the lot into your work as well. So I hope that that was a, I hope that clarified it. That was kind of a long-winded answer, but these concepts are pretty complicated. Um, let me take a look here. Let's, who is next? Kate is asking, should we look at Libra season through the lens of the equinox chart? Let's try that. This is another technique that ancient astrologers would use to be able to determine how a season would turn out. So here is what is called, this is the fall equinox chart or a seasonal chart. And it's the moment that the sun moves into a cardinal sign. Now, the challenge with using these equinox and solstice charts is that they are location-based. So I think that it's going to be different based on your specific location. So you're going to want to put your own location in there. There are a few things that we can glean from this. Oftentimes what people will do is they will look at the chart from the capital of a particular country. So like if I wanted to do that, I would put Washington DC for America. Now, I will admit this is this is in the realm of of uh, 
mundane astrology. This is called mundane astrology. And I am familiar with some aspects of mundane astrology, but I would not consider myself uh, an expert completely at it. Um, so here is the, the Libra ingress chart is what they would call this, or the fall ingress, fall equinox chart. I hope that it... Uh, I'm going to make sure that it calculated it correctly. Okay. So here would be the ingress chart based on Washington, D.C. Um, hopefully it... I'm sorry, I'm just making sure that this... Okay. Because I didn't see it calculated differently. Um, so a couple things you'd look at, I guess, is you'd take a look at if there were any you know, hard aspects, challenges. I mean, oftentimes the sun can represent the leader of the country. So the sun moving is, is in Libra here in the third house. There's And there's different mundane associations with each of this. Uh, you have the moon representing the, the populace or the population. This isn't great for the population, I would say, um, because it is in its fall and in the sixth house. So this could be something where there's, unfortunately, to me, this this would seem to suggest illness or injury for the population. Uh, we are dealing with spiking COVID numbers again in America, whether people want to talk about it or not. Um, that could be part of this season as well as people move further indoors and things of that nature. Um, you can also think about like, uh, you know, the country's enemies as seventh house, open enemies with Saturn here, retrograde in the eighth house. Could be some challenges with debt, potentially with Saturn retrograding here in the eighth house uh, over this season. Maybe it's national debt or things of that nature. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting to kind of uh, unpack some of this stuff. The other thing that just kind of sticks out about this chart to me in particular is that um, Mars is very close close to the south node. So this could be something where we are having to release uh, either land or something related to domestic issues or challenges. And we may also be coming to some sort of completion around some kind of law related to the ninth house, uh, legal issues, right? Or potentially like foreign interests um, so again, this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. There, there are some, I think, better people at looking at seasonal ingress charts. The per first person that comes to mind is Gary Caton. He does a really good job with these seasonal ingress charts. So I would check out his work as well. He has a great podcast. Um, I believe it's called the Hermetic Podcast, Hermet Hermetic Astrology Podcast. He does a lot of this type of examination for me. I, I can I'm I have mild interest in it, but for I would say that more of my strengths are in analyzing people's personal charts and uh, checking out charts for like sporting events <laughs> and the decans. I really like the decans too. Um, but one thing I will say with this moon, the the populace, right, the population, um, the first decan of Capricorn shows us the two of of pentacles. 
And oftentimes it is about weighing the advantages and disadvantages of a particular place. So I do think that there's there may be a lot of juggling, a lot of responsibilities during this season collectively in America and the States. I think that there could be some challenges around trying to figure out where the best place to to start something would be. Um, and also remember the fall equinox is the 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 rise of the dark part of the year where the nights become longer than the days. It is it's really a time for starting to to contract rather than to expand so that there is the energy of contraction around this as well um you know you could think of the 10th house sometimes as the government and here you have the jupiter retrograding in the 10th house which (laughs) who knows what's happening with our government in the united states right now that we have a looming government shutdown potentially and it's Jupiter is in the second decan of Taurus, which is often related to benefits. So once the the shutdown happens, that could be very difficult for people receiving government benefits and things of that nature too. Um, I know some folks are still waiting on tax return for this year, and the IRS would sh- shut down for a period of time if the government shut down as well. So just a couple of thoughts around that. Okay, let me see. What else do we have here? I'm just looking through the questions. Aaron is asking, hi, Spencer. I have Mars at 25 Libra. What would you expect the upcoming eclipse to bring? Should have added I'm a Libra rising as well. Oh, well, let's, Aaron, let's take a look at that eclipse. That's a good question. So here is, that's the full moon today. And here's our eclipse. So let's, Let's just, I'll just throw it over to put Libra on the Ascendant. Okay, so here's roughly where the eclipse would happen if you're a Libra Ascendant. Um, So if you have Mars there, one thing that just sticks out to me, Aaron, is that Mars is going to be transiting, South Node is going to be conjoining your Mars. So uh, remember I talked about the South Node as sort of like a drain energy, a composting energy, a, a tying up of old old issues and loose ends type of issue. So with Mars, your na- it being on your natal Mars, Mars in your Libra rising chart rules by the guest host relationship, both the second house of money, resources, how you support yourself, your skills, and your seventh house of partnership and open enemies or things of that nature. Those two topics are connected in a Libra rising chart. And since in your chart, Mars is in its exile in a place that it's not super comfortable within, both of those topics may be challenging in your life. Doesn't mean that they can't work out, it just means that there might be some extra effort involved. Now, one of the good news is about having the South Node on a malefic planet. I often feel like sometimes that can alleviate challenges that we've gone through. So I had a, uh, there was an eclipse a few years ago where Mars was conjoining the South Node in my seventh house of open enemies. And there was a situation where someone who had been a real thorn in my side for many, many years, all of a sudden was not in my life anymore. And so, so that was a reducing of the conflict with 
an open enemy. So Aaron, there is a possibility that at this eclipse, you could be seeing the releasing of conflict around a relationship or around a financial challenge. It could also mean a, a relationship is coming to an end as well because the energy is draining out. Could could mean releasing some financial resources as well. But But again, I often see a malefic planet on the south node as generally a reduction of some of those hardships. Same thing is true for a benefic on the south node. Sometimes our good fortune can drain out when we have a benefic planet on the south node. Conversely, if you have Mars or Saturn making contact with the north node, that could be an increase in those qualities, the challenging qualities. Same thing with a benefic on the north on the north node. It could be an increase of good fortune with with Venus there or with Jupiter there. Of course, we can have too much of a good thing, but I hope it, I hope that is making sense for you, there, Aaron. Um, let me see. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much for the super sticker. Um, yes, friends, if you are enjoying the chat that we're doing here today, you can make a donation to the show with a super chat or a super sticker, a little dollar sign in the chat. That really goes a huge long way to helping support the work that I do and give me time to do research and be able to continue to do this work. So I appreciate all of you, especially those who donate regularly. You all are awesome and really keep keep the, the, um, the lights on here. Okay, Aaron, well, good luck with that eclipse. Um, first, first house eclipses are really important. Angular eclipses in general. Uh, anytime an eclipse is either on a first in the first house, the tenth house, the seventh house, or the fourth, you're really going to feel this. So this this could be the beginning of an ending for you as well, Aaron. Um, and it may it may challenge you to maintain your inner equilibrium. The third decan of of Libra is really all about saying, okay, how can we create a peaceful situation and a chaotic one? through becoming calm internally and making the adjustments that we need to make to restore right proportion. This is a little kind of insight into the deck and walk type of experience, but there's a spirit with, with Libra three, the third, the, the final t- 10 degrees of Libra called Nemesis. And Nemesis was the goddess that restored right proportion after the twists and turns of 2K or fortune, the randomness so, so through hard work, through, you know, can, and Nemesis can increase or decrease. This is something that you have to understand about Saturn. Saturn, it was also called the planet of Nemesis. Saturn is not just a, a contraction energy. Saturn can actually help us to increase that which is lacking as well. They talk, specifically talk about this in one of the Orphic hymns. It is exalted in Libra. Saturn is, is all about finding balance and the right proportion. So whatever is lacking in your life right now, Aaron, might be increased, and what it, whatever is excessive may be decreased. Jennifer says, so I hope that was helpful for you. Uh, Jennifer is saying, I had a big shocker yesterday from my dad. My family has been estranged for 30 plus years. He called an old number he had for his mother, and she answered, she's alive and 103 years old. Wow. That's a crazy story, Jennifer. Uh, his birthday is 11742. Oh, that's my daughter's birthday uh, 
about a hundred years later, <laughs> like, well, maybe 80 years later, um, at 5.56 AM. Let's see. Love to see in his chart where this shows. <sighs> okay, Jennifer, I can pull that up. What's the city, Jennifer? City and state. Could you put that in there for me? That'll help me. Um, so, 1917, 1942, 5.56 a.m. Um, Detritus. What is that? Is that... Is that the city? Is that Michigan? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm making an assumption here, but uh, Jennifer, if you're there and you want me to do this, Detroit. There we go, Detroit. Okay, good. That makes more sense. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. Okay, so this is for Jennifer's dad, January seventeenth, nineteen forty-two. Sagittarius rising, and he recently made contact with his mother <laughs> like who was 103 years old when was this was this let's see let me see if she said when this was yesterday this was yesterday oh poop hold on let me there it is so this is the inner chart inside wheel is jennifer's dad the outer chart is okay so a couple things uh let me just give me a minute to process all this first thing that is sticking out to me jennifer is that your dad's mom i guess you would is this what we're looking at okay your your dad's parents are related to the fourth house and in this chart they are it's retrograde in its exile with Jupiter in Gemini, which could suggest an estrangement, right? Also have the 10th house related to the mother uh, can be um, a, another significator for, for a parent, right? Because the 10th house is Virgo, and we're this is what we're doing with the guest house relationship, okay? So we're looking at both of these planets and seeing if there's anything crazy going on with that. Um, I do see all to to another indicator of like challenges with a parent. You've got Mercury opposing Chiron here exactly. So a wound potentially over their belief systems or something of that nature. Um, just the first thing that's just sticking out to me is this right here, where this is a uh, a Sun Neptune conjunction. I'm sorry, a Moon-Neptune conjunction in the fourth house, 26 degrees of Pisces. You've got Saturn also retrograding there. Uh, you know, sometimes Moon-Neptune things is just like some dissolving of boundaries, right? And moon can represent the mother, so maybe this is a dissolving of the boundaries between him and his and his mother, and those things happening unexpectedly. I mean, if there's other things that are popping out to you in the chart as well, um, the other thing I would say that is sticking out is that oftentimes the IC can be related to our roots and our foundations. So transiting Chiron is making contact with the IC in this chart also. So like 
opening up a wound or something like that, or trying to heal a wound, something of that nature as well. And then finally, you know, Pluto contacts with the natal sun here could suggest dealing with something that had been repressed for a very long period of time. Uh, this is a, a, a an interesting kind of like, you know, significator of being able to deal with something we've ignored or pu pushed beneath the surface and Pluto forces us to deal with it on some level. So th those would be some of my, you know, initial answers with that. If I were to do a much more in-depth analysis of this, one of the things that I would like to see is, and I can just show you here, is what is the annual perfection that they're in? And like, what is their, so here is their solar return. Uh, how old is your dad? I'm just having to do some math here in my brain that is, I'm slow with math. Um, so he's what 60 80 is he 81 81 years old is that right 1942 so 81 so 82 so another interesting point of interest is he's in a 10th house perfection year if i'm doing my math correctly we're counting in 12 year intervals from the first house so this would be starting with 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81. So the 10th house is related to the mother, right? So that's that's one of the things that could be uh, happening as well. So I would look at Mercury. So Mercury is retro, retrograde in the solar return chart. Okay, so like seeing something from the past, contact with someone in the past. And then we would also look at you know, what was going on now? What was, where was Mercury in the, the chart? And was there any specific Mercury contact? contact? Okay, here, here's Mercury at 21. Uh, Virgo. Or is the natal Mercury being contacted? Okay. So these would be other things that I would look at if I was going to analyze this. Um, one thing that I will say is that Mercury is going under the beams around this period of time. So this is this is a moment of phosphorus where Mercury is getting ready to do another Kazemi moment. So this this might be a precursor to to that as well. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight, um, Jennifer, which on a really interesting uh, event in, in your parents' life. Um I'm just looking in chat for more questions here. Okay, I got Jennifer's question. Yeah, I like this end of the rift. I, I think that the, the main thing I, I would say though, that the main indicator is seems to be that Moon-Neptune um, conjunction in the fourth house, the dissolving of boundaries. And that card for, for Pisces three is the ten of cups, which shows like a happy family underneath a rainbow. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Um, Mr. Hindsight is making a comment, but I didn't. See, I don't see a question there. South node conjunct Saturn in Aries in twelfth. North node conjunct Venus in Libra. Um, if you have a question related to that, Mr. Hindsight, um, let me know. Uh, 
Kate says the phrase I am tired is the most Googled point uh, is at its most Googled point in the history of Google Trends. Saw that and thought of Mars at the south node. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Mars represents our, our energy to get up and go and do stuff. And we definitely, <laughs> I know I'm feeling tired. Like earlier this week, I did, uh, I did like eight to 10 hours straight of, of turf removal in my yard. And then I tried to do it again the next day. And I'm very good at doing mental labor and, and lots of heavy lifting intellectually. But physical labor is not something that I do that much of normally. I, I, I do some things. I take a lot of walks and, and I exercise, but that type of exercise really pushed me to my limits. And I was just really not in good shape in the middle of the week after that. So I, I, I was feeling that Mars, you know, heading towards the south node type of energy. And I think a lot of us are. Michelle says, this is natal placement, 10th house Libra, south node. Also have Venus and Mercury here in my natal 10th. Okay, so you've got some things going on with the cap rising chart for sure. Right, so we're, you also are going to have, uh, um, Michelle, you're going to have a natal angular eclipse in your 10th house. So th maybe there's a situation in your job where you're thinking of leaving a job or there's something that needs to be resolved or released within a career situation potentially. I know that my... Uh, I have a Capricorn, Capricorn uh, rising important person in my life who's kind of going through something similar. So I wonder if that's happening in your life as well, Michelle, like maybe needing to release a job or find a new job or something like that, potentially on the horizon. Jennifer says, I have South Node in Saturn and Aquarius seems to reduce the hardships or maybe it helps get me the it. It helps me get to it. Um, yeah, I, I think in a natal chart, like I said, if you have a, a malefic planet, Saturn or Mars on the south node, oftentimes it can reduce some challenging experiences. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, I'm keeping going here and looking. The Sag Rises, yeah, Sag Rising's had a lot of stuff going on lately. Yeah, Mr. Hindsight was commenting on Pluto conjoining Jennifer's dad's son, the transformation of self. Yeah, and a diff really maybe the transformation of an, of an identity or an awareness of something as well. Remember, the sun is a spotlight on something. Oh, thank you, Don, for the super sticker. Appreciate you. Don says, hey, everyone, just in time for mine. I can only peek in for a second as I'm training folks at work. Hope you all are having a great week and a helpful new moon. Well, thanks, Don. Hope you're doing well down there. I think you're our friend from Alabama. So hope things are going well and that the late, early fall is treating you well down there. Um, Luna Storm says, how about the Jupiter Uranus? I'm assuming you're, people are still commenting on the chart with the parent. Yeah, that could be part of it as well, for sure, With the, in the 10th house of of that chart previously. Okay, sorry, I'm just, I'm going through the chat that is in, it's not always in real time. I'm gonna have to go through and look back at it. Yep, again, says the eclipse new moon in 21 degrees of Libra will be trying my sun in Capricorn, 21 Capricorn, and square my Mars, 21 Sagittarius. 
My boyfriend asked me to join him for his high school reunion that day. Oh, that's cool. So that'll be that'll be interesting, right? Maybe meeting up with old friends. That could also be something with the South Node happening around that period of time, like just having contact with old friends or even old enemies. I know high school, like it's always a mixed bag on some level. And maybe maybe releasing some of the old resentments from high school. I know that oftentimes as we go through changes, we may have held on to one narrative about people in our past. And when we meet up with them many, many years later, it can very much shift our experience of them. So maybe that's something that will be going on then. Uh, Jennifer says, thanks so much. That explains a lot. He said the conversation went well and both said they loved each other and were sorry for how things turned out. I just hope we can get together soon. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that, Jennifer. That is nice to see some happy endings to some of those situations. It doesn't always work out like that, but releasing old hurts and resentments is always, it's always healthy, I think, on some level. If you're just holding on to that negativity, it just kind of kicks around in your body and it can lead to all sorts of yucky health things mentally, emotionally, and physically. So letting it go is a good, a good way to, to deal with it. Uh, all right, Don. Well, hopefully you're having a good afternoon. Michelle says, yes, I'm thinking about transitioning in my job. And that's in referring to having an eclipse in the 10th house as a Capricorn rising, which, yeah, south node, Mars there, you know, near the south node, an eclipse near the south node. It's just uh, a lot of you Cap risings are probably going to be going through some job changes or even changes with your mother with the 10th house potentially. Uh, Kate says, Jennifer, if I may ask, are you highly spiritual or have you been rigorous in religion with the South Node Saturn Ninth House comment? Well, there's another discussion between friends. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Luna Storm says reunions can be cathartic. Yes, I agree. They, they can be. I haven't been to one in a long time. I believe, I believe this year, what is it, 2023? This year would have been my 25th high school reunion. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so old. I think, how old am I now? I can't remember. I graduated in 1998 <laughs> from high school. So what year are we in? Yeah, that'd be 25, wouldn't it? Holy cow, that's a lot of years. I haven't been to one since my 10-year reunion. And that, I think, was enough <laughs> for me. I don't really feel like I need to go back and revisit any of that anymore. <clears throat> that was enough for me to be like, oh, these are just regular people and the people that thought they were the cat's meow are just regular normal people and the people that were maybe struggling or, or that were quiet and just going about their business are some of the most successful people. So uh, it's just, it's very informative. But seeing people age, I don't know. That's difficult. That, that that brings up a lot of emotions, and uh, it made me feel pretty good about how I was aging. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how many times you have to keep going through that. It's, everyone's different. Someone, some people had really good experiences in high school, and they want to keep in touch with all those friends and folks. And other people, it was a really difficult, traumatic experience where you don't really feel the need to to revisit it. My high school experience was a mixed bag. I had some good friends and I had other really traumatic experiences and people who harassed me a lot and 
both of those people were at the reunions and some of them were still kind of assholes and other of them were still cool but uh i don't really keep in touch with a ton of people from my high school anymore a couple college people i do but i tend to be someone who kind of yeah, just keep it keep it moving you know um i i don't live in that area anymore where i went to school so it's just hard to keep up with with people uh kate says myself i have Uranus on the south node fifth Sagittarius could be a factor why I've survived certain things that were dangerous or high risk. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, being able to reduce some of the Uranian shocks, right. With, uh, having a planet like Uranus on the south node, that's a good observation. Mr. Hindsight says, while Venus was retrograde, I had two women contact me. I met them 50 years ago. Wow. There you go. That's, that is a definitely a Venus retrograde story, right? Uh, Venus can represent relationships, can represent yin feminine energy, like it was a universal significator for women back in ancient times. So that that could also be, you know, uh, something coming back into your life to be reviewed. So that's an interesting uh, uh, insight there, Mr. Hindsight. Michelle says, and yes, there's uh, my mom long term, my mom has a long term illness, and that may come to an end. Okay, Michelle, so that Michelle's referring to the eclipse in the 10th house of a Capricorn rising chart. Uh, so another another challenging part of that, potentially. So hang in there, Michelle, I know that's a lot of changes all at once. And we're going through a similar uh, experience here with my Capricorn rising partner who's potentially thinking about a job change and has aging parents and we're going through a lot of those feelings and emotions ourselves. It's not easy. It's not, it's not an easy time in life, middle age, I guess you would say, where you have just a lot of responsibilities, but also your parents are aging and your kids are growing up and, or if you have them and uh, it is just a lot, there's being pulled in a lot of different directions all at once. And that can, that's tough. So hang in there, friend. Kate says, maybe this reduced malefic nature or danger is associated with Uranus. Yes, for sure. Um, Luna Storm says, I just have a small group of high school friends I've stuck with for over 50 years now. Yeah, I mean, that often is how it goes, right? You, you have a couple people that you really resonate with, and if you can keep in touch with them, those are friends for life, right? Some people made those lifelong friends in high school. Other people made those lifelong friends in college, and or if you, if you like me and you moved around a lot, like... I, I, my friend's circle is very small. Like my acquaintance circle is large, but the people that I actually trust and have contact with is very small. It's kind of a Cancerian thing. So if you're in my circle of trust, that's kind of a special, special place to be. <laughs> Don't screw it up. No, it's fine. I, I've been trying to, you know, I don't know, be more open-minded about my relationships and, and, uh, have some more grace for people in my life and try not to take things personally if if I, I get into situations of conflict and things like that so it's a lifelong lesson uh let's see prudence k is here and i see you prudence it's nice that there's such a diversity of ages here as well as locations i agree prudence we do have such a wonderful diverse group of people who come and stop in on these chats and we have people from all over the world. We have people of all generations, demographics and backgrounds, and that's what makes this group special. Um, so I just wanna acknowledge that, and I'm glad that 
you're pointing that out, Prudence, as well, and grateful for you being here as well. And this is a good opportunity just to, if, to remind all of you, if you're enjoying this channel and these chats, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel and to these videos. Uh, if you want to make a material donation, you can with a little dollar sign in the chat, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. I, of course, uh, am also promoting my deck and walk, which starts on Monday. The registration closes after tomorrow, so make sure that if you're interested in that, you reach out. You can reach out, and we can set up a payment plan, or if you can, if you have the ability to pay in full, there is a $100 uh, gift certificate bonus off any reading that I do as well, so check that out. Kate says, Spencer, anyone in your circle of trust is a lucky soul. I think this of this gathering is my little astrological circle of trust. Yeah, I mean, we have we have created that here as well, and... The fact that all of you keep showing up each week when we do this and we are able to connect, it is, it is special. We have a, a nice digital community here. Um, and we've been able to create that through our mutual respect for one another, through our kindness to one another. Um, don't take that for granted. There, this, is a, this can be a very special thing in this day and age. It's not the easiest thing to cultivate, and we have to constantly be... Uh, weeding the garden so to speak right like this is something where through our actions through our mutual respect and trust of one another we're able to 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 deal with more of these challenging uh experiences in life um because we are able to hold space for one another you know if we if we didn't create that safe sacred space for one another and we allowed people to you know, make fun of someone if they did something or like make people feel bad about the challenges they had in their life. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be effective. So I'm going to give a lot of the credit to all of you for, for bringing your highest and best self to these chats and treating one another with respect to make it a comfortable place for people to share. So, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. Any other questions? We have more questions coming. This is a good opportunity, maybe at the hour mark, to take a little stretch, take a little drink of water if you need it. I'm going to stretch my legs for a second. If you have another question, put the question in the chat. Try to give me a heads up that it's a question with maybe an all caps question in front of it. Devin is here, and I see you, Devin. It says, hi, Spencer. Astro technique question. When casting a solar return chart, do you cast from your current location or your birth location? That's a good question, Devin. Um, I personally cast from the birth location. Various astrologers have different opinions on this. Um, I don't think there's a, maybe a clear-cut answer about it. I think it's a matter of preference. Uh, there are some people that are of the opinion that you can change your fate by having your birthday in a different location. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I do somewhat agree with, and I'm going to show you like the chart here, like, like if you, let's say, I'll just give myself as an example. So here's my solar return chart for this year. And it's for my birth place of Oak Park, Illinois. If I were to change the location, so you can see it's a Sagittarius rising chart, okay, in the fifth house. Let's say I wanted to take a trip to 
I don't know, Paris. <laughs> Let's say I had my birthday in Paris, France. That would change the rising sign, I believe. Uh, let's see. Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to have to make sure I have to do this correctly. Calculate. Um, sorry. There, I'm trying to figure out how I would change the location of the solar return chart in the in my Astro Gold program. So I apologize if that's taking me a little bit too long here. Because um, really what I'm doing here... Oh, there we go. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to put Paris, France in. Remember, the last one was, was an 8-degree Sagittarius chart. So now here's my solar return if I was in Paris. It's, it doesn't change that much. It changes by one degree, right? One degree uh, rising, potentially. Um, and you could, let's say I did this for Tokyo, Tokyo, Japan. And it's still uh, nine degrees, right? So Honestly, it doesn't really even change all of the positions even that much. So, I don't know. I, I tend to use the birth position, the natal position. So, I hope that answers your question, Devin. I don't think I've had very many birthdays in locations other than, well, I've had, I've had them in locations other than my birth, but I've never like taken a vacation specifically on my birthday to try to change my fate. I think that that's, I don't know if that works or not. I, I doubt it. Um, but who knows? There's all sorts of magical ways to, to shift and bend time and space. So thank you for that question, Devin. Jennifer says, Kate, oh, Kate is talking to Kate. Growing up Catholic, started getting away from it in my mid-20s, investigating all sorts of religions and spiritual ways, realizing there's no right one only what is right for me daily. Yeah, that's a good perspective. Rachel Fletcher is here. Hello, all signing in late from Roanoke, Virginia. Nice to see you, Rachel. Looking forward to speaking with you soon. Um, hope that you're doing well. No name is here. Hello, no name. Full moon in Aries sextile, my natal lord of the fifth house moon, six degrees Aquarius, which is in the 12th house, conjunct Venus, 12 Aquarius, and my Uranus, 7 degrees Sagittarius, which is in the ninth house, Jupiter. Okay. So, uh, is, if there's a question, oh, it says, what can I expect from this full moon? I'm single. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Let me just try to parse what you are describing. So, no name, can you just at least tell me what your rising sign is? Because that, that would be helpful for me. That's the, that's the main thing that I look at when I'm looking at things. Uh, I'll have to come back to that one, no name, because I'd have to be able to see the chart in my mind or at least see the rising chart, rising sign. Luna Storm, oh, modern Goldilocks, thank you for the super sticker, friend. Appreciate you. 
Uh, Luna Storm says, I had a quick question. How can I determine a birth time by major life events such as a parent's death? Okay, so Luna Storm is asking about chart rectification. Um, chart rectification is, is not the easiest thing in the world to do. It is a process by, why we, by how we try to determine somebody's ascending degree based on these you know, important life events like Luna Storm is describing, like a parent's death. Um, oftentimes what you can do is you can shift around the chart by multiple hours, right? So I'm just going to, let's just take a look at this here. So let's say, you know, someone was born with this particular chart and you had the eighth house which could be a death, an important death, ruled by the sun. Okay, like let's say this is a Capricorn rising chart. You could look to important contacts, contacts to the eighth house ruler. You could look at eclipses that would be in Leo potentially, and you could kind of move the chart around by an hour or so until you'd find where that might match up. Um, it is a labor-intensive, inexact science. Although, one of the things that I have found to be very effective is, oh my goodness, the, the name of it, primary directions. I found primary directions to be fairly effective for rectifying charts. So basically, primary directions shows us when a planet is going to meet an angle and you shift the, the chart forward four minutes of clock time for every year of the life. So let's say you you had the eighth house ruler coming to the descendant or coming to the IC. Both could be both sometimes have been considered places of death. That could show you potentially where the ascendant could be potentially. Um, so major events generally happen through primary directions when a planet touches the ascendant, the midheaven. The descendant or the IC, if you click the chart forward four minutes for every year of the of the client's life. Um, okay, I'm gonna keep going. So I'm going back to no names question. They're saying that they have a full moon. saying Aquarius is their 12th house, which would make their rising sign Pisces. So if we're looking at, first of all, for all of you friends, if, if you want a super in-depth look at each rising sign full moon, I did do a live stream last week uh, or potentially the week before that, I can't remember, uh, looking at the full moon through all 12 rising signs. And that's a good way to, to take a look at what that might mean for you as well. Um, but Pisces risings for this full moon are going to have uh, it be in the eighth house uh, and, and the third house. So something coming to a head regarding belief system and daily habits and daily routines, maybe even potentially around siblings, things of that nature. Um, maybe also around your own your own personal spiritual beliefs and how it may conflict with an orthodox system. 
Okay, Modern Goldilocks says, hello again from California. Love the vibe here. By the way, I've never attended a high school reunion. No desire. I too have a small circle of friends. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, I, I don't know. I have some people I wouldn't mind seeing, I guess, but the fact that I'd have to talk to other people that I have no desire to talk to is just like, plus I'm, I'm sort of an introvert. I, I, what am I going to say to these people? Oh, wow. It's been 25 years since I've seen you. You've lived a ton of life. I don't really know you anymore. Uh, I guess we could get to know each other, but we're basically strangers at this point. So I, I'm just not really sure what the point is unless you've kept up with those people over the years. Well, if, and if you're going just out of curiosity to just be like, I wonder which one of these people, you know, became successful or, or, or have fallen on hard times. It's like, why bother with that? What, what, what difference does it make? Right. If you're just trying to make yourself feel better about comparing or contrasting your life with, with some people that you were basically thrown together with when you were a teenager that you didn't have any choice to be around. It doesn't matter, I guess <laughs> like, what I will say. Um, so yes, I agree with you, Modern Goldilocks. Mr. Hindsight says, if you relocate, there will be a different sign on the Ascendant for the same time. Right, we tried to do that. It, it, it didn't seem like it was uh, making it that much different. Again, my opinion on it, Mr. Hindsight, is that I don't really think it does change our fate for the year if we have a birthday in a different location. I use the natal position um, and I think that it simplifies things in that way. I think just trying to tra travel for saying, oh, my whole year is going to be different just because I have a birthday in this location. I just, it just doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think our fate is written, you know, in the stars from the time that we're born. And you're not going to change it by just like taking a flight to somewhere else at one specific time. Now, moving somewhere definitely can probably, you can adjust some certain things with astrocartography. I do think that that is true. There are certain places that we may feel more or less comfortable with. I don't even know if it's going to change our fate necessarily. I think it may be, we just feel more or less comfortable in particular places. For example, I live in a place that's very close to my moon line. So I, I feel fairly comfortable in this area. I've lived in other places that were close to a Saturn line and I felt sort of restricted there. Now, will that change my fate? Maybe, but it may, I think it's more of an of a internal feeling when it comes to astrocartography. And there, there are astrocartographers that will disagree with me and that, and they are, that is their right. Um, that's my like uh, Mario just got a star like while I'm reading music modern golden Lux sensor I will email you I need some tutoring after taking Adam's classes there's some things I need help with well I would be happy to help you out with that my friend I know that as we go down the astrological knowledge rabbit holes there are just so many things to learn I love tutoring and teaching so I would be happy to help you with that and you know Adam's classes are great and I've had a lot of uh, friends and students and clients come over from his programs and work with me as well our I think our styles are complementary enough um, and you'd be getting someone that was you know trained by him on some level as well so so that's uh, I'd be happy to help you with that 
Uh, I'm just looking through here. Um, so we've got some good comments. I'm looking for questions. Monique says, I have Saturn South Node and I'm a medium. Both are in Scorpio near my descendant. Okay, yeah, so you might be dealing with the dead, right? And helping people to release blockages to communicating with them or, or maybe even being like a death doula where you could help people release sort of the the feelings that were unresolved between them and their loved ones after they've passed. Luna Storm says, so focus on aspects to angular houses would be a good start. I will check out primary directions too. Yes, yes. Angular houses are really important in Hellenistic astrology and any form of astrology. But if you, here's just a little mini primer on this. So let's say we have the first house which is angular. You have these things called angular triads. So you have three sets of houses that are related to one another. And they're all centered around the first house, which is called a kentron or a stake. It's like a tent pole that, that holds the sky together. They thought of these, these angles as like these like stable pillars. And you've got another angular triad with 11, 10, and 9, 8, 7, and 6, and then 5, 4, and 3. You, you have the angular house, you have the cadent house, which is falling away from the angle, and then the succeeding house that is moving into the angle. So this is by primary motion. You have one that's going becoming the angle and one that's moving away. So this is the place of like, you know, focused energy, focused power. It's much more personal. When you have something in a succeeding house, it could be someone very close to you where something is happening, but not necessarily to you. A Caden house could be someone that's even further removed than someone in the Caden house. So when you have like an eclipse or something in a Caden house, depending on if you have planets in that house or not, it can be like something important happening to a neighbor or a sibling or a cousin. Whereas if you have something happening in an angular house, it's most definitely happening to you. Okay, so this is something that, to consider when you're looking at angular versus succeeding and cadent houses. And I saw a really great, speaking of Adam, so that was one of my first introductions to Adam Allenboss of Nightly Astrology was his lecture on angular triads in referring to the fifth house, but it was mostly a talk on angular triads at the United Astrology Conference in 2018 in Chicago. And I was really impressed with the way that he described that and it really helped my understanding of this. And also, uh, Demetri George has a lot of good, good teaching material around this too. Uh, Kate has a question. Can you share your thoughts on Venus moving from the square to Uranus into the trine through Libra season? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, let me look at this, Kate. So if we are looking at the current time, what Kate is referring to is Venus squaring Uranus right here, which we've had multiple times over the course of the last few months because of Venus's retrograde cycle. Uh, you know, Venus represents things, good fortune that is that comes to us or uh, that, it, that we might not have done anything to to receive or that we are just kind of becoming open to receiving. It is also related to how we create harmony with one another. Sometimes Venus Uranus squares uh, can be shocking breaks in the way that we create harmony. 
can be shocking good fortune. Um, I've, I had some, it can also be related to nature. At, at the first Venus Uranus square, one of my caterpillars that I was raising shockingly started transforming into a pupa way before it was time for it to do so, probably because I had too many of them in the same habitat and they realized that they were running out of room. And then I changed that afterwards and I had to stop what I was doing and make sure that they transitioned appropriately. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, another example of this yesterday, two days ago, I should say, my favorite basketball team, the Milwaukee Bucks, shockingly trade, traded for Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, who is a, you know, an all-star slash future Hall of Famer. And uh, it wasn't really on the horizon that he was going to get traded to the Bucks. And I had Venus on my ascendant. Uh, so something really good coming to to me, like as like as far as as being a fan, that was completely out of left field that I didn't expect to happen necessarily. So that's another example of just some good fortune. It doesn't have to be something earth shattering and life changing, but for me as a big time sports fan, that was shocking good fortune that was coming uh, that I didn't expect. So as far as moving through to the trine. Let's take a look at this. So we'll just kind of go through the days here. So you're going to have Venus moving into uh, Virgo, right? So Venus moves into its fall. So this is a place where Venus isn't very comfortable. Um, Mercury, the ruler of Virgo, is trying to separate things out into categories and analyze things. Whereas Venus wants to bring things together, wants to merge and blend blend things together, so it's an it's an uncomfortable match. Oftentimes, Venus is trying to hold together something that is uh, entropying. Okay, like I see Virgo as a sign of entropy. Also, it's trying to preserve something against the ravages of time, and it's also trying to get rid of things that are flawed and return them to the earth. So there may be some insights that you have as we if you see. Venus moving into the trine to Uranus, okay, which is going to perfect around here at about 21 degrees. Okay, so here's the trine at October 31st, Halloween. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you have Venus getting closer and closer to her maximum degree of fall, which would be about 28 degrees of Virgo. Um, I could see Halloween being pretty interesting, you know, maybe a lot of weird costumes <laughs> that are like kind of uh, maybe not beautiful, right? Like because Venus is in her fall, they may be, uh, there may be some shocking, grotesque type of things that we're seeing. Um, I think that just overall though, beyond it being near Halloween, Venus in Virgo 3 trining Uranus and Taurus three, Venus is again trying to create beauty, harmony, balance. Virgo three is about understanding that form doesn't last forever, and that some things will have to be let go of. And so it's a, it's an awkward match for people who may want to like try to reverse the aging process or something like that. 
Um, I've often told the story of when Venus was in Virgo 3, where I created this like hair oil that, that was very sticky and had turmeric as one of its main ingredients. So it was not only was it messy, it was staining. And I was doing this because I was afraid of losing my hair, which, which hasn't really come to pass. I've, I've, I think uh, for me, there's a few supplements I take just to keep my hair healthy, but I think just good diet, sleep, exercise, and also just coming to terms with the fact that some of this is just part of the aging process of not necessarily having to do extreme things to reverse the aging process. So, so there may be some realizations around that where we realize with Uranus in the third decan of Taurus that nature is more powerful than our desires quite often. It, that, that decan is about humility in the face of nature. So we may be trying to, to uh, resist the entropy process. And entropy is, is like when things have been held together, like when atoms are held together, but then they start to separate, just like that's what aging is basically, is our, all the cells that, and, and atoms that keep us together in this form start to break down and they start to, to loosen, like the skin loosens, the bones and the joints loosen and all this and that. And, and we can try to stave it off as long as we can, but eventually we will, we will return to undifferentiated matter, right? We'll, we'll merge with the earth once again. So there could be some realizations about the aging process and maybe that we are going to have to accept it in the face of, of just the awareness, the, the shocking awareness that, that these bodies don't last forever. I think that's, that's probably part of what we're dealing with with the trine between Venus and Uranus on some level. The square with Venus and Uranus, with, with uh, Leo and Taurus, a lot of that was about our trying to keep our authentic expression or maybe even st attempt to stand our ground on a belief system, uh, but then having forces outside of our control show us that it, it doesn't really, um, we, we don't always have control of that. Here's another example. If I go back to that trade with Damian Lillard in Portland, and I know Devin is upset because he lives in Portland, but uh, sorry, friend, I'm really excited about him. Hopefully he wins a championship in Milwaukee. And you got a pretty good deal out of it as well. Much better deal, Devin, than you would have if he'd been gotten his wish and been traded to Miami. So for those of you who aren't sports fans, Damian Lillard is a point guard and an incredibly clutch shooter uh, he's been loyal to one team in Portland for his entire career. And recently, he made a trade request. He says, I want to be traded to one team and one team only, the Miami Heat. And Portland was like, and Miami was offering just a poo-poo platter because they thought that they had Portland over a barrel, basically. And they didn't acquiesce to his trade demands. Um he wanted to be traded because Portland is rebuilding. They're going with younger players and he's had difficulty with winning a championship. Now, that being said, Lillard had dug his feet in in a position. Leo three, right? It's the third decan of Leo. And I'll just even show you this because this is this this really, I think, is kind of fascinating. I did put Lillard's chart in here. I'll talk about this more as 
when I join Adam and Kip for the next sports podcast, but I can talk about it a little bit here as well. Um, I, I recently did look at Lillard's chart. Okay, let me, let me go back here. So I don't know exactly what Lillard's rising sign is, but if I go a couple days back when the trade was, like Wednesday or something like that, um, that was when the, the Venus-Uranus conjunction was perfecting. And what I'm sort of looking for is, does Lillard have any placements around that place? And it, it doesn't quite matter if it does or not. It could even be his rising sign. You never know. Where he had a desire, Venus, and he had dug his heels in on the type of desire that he wanted to manifest, which was going to a warm climate in Miami. And basically, the Portland Trailblazers said, nope, we're going to send you to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, <laughs> which, you know, weather-wise probably isn't his ideal. But, but you know what's kind of interesting about this? is it was a better deal for Portland, number one, and it's probably a better deal for Damian Lillard. No, he doesn't get to go to the climate of his dreams, but he goes to a team that is really stacked with talent and has one of the best players in the NBA in Giannis Adetokounmpo, who his skill set fits perfectly with, perfectly. Giannis is like kind of like Shaquille O'Neal, He's a dominant post presence. Damian Lillard's a little bit like Kobe Bryant. It's sort of a Shaq and Kobe combination. They complement each other perfectly. Damian Lillard creates spacing. Giannis creates gravity, like down low. And, and that opens up space for Lillard to shoot. So he didn't get exactly what he wanted. He got a, sh a shock, but it may still turn out in his favor anyway. He may win a championship, which hopefully that's his goal more than just being in a warm climate. So you never know. Like that's something that where a, a shocking desire that didn't quite go how you wanted it to. There are forces outside of his control that caused him to have to come off of a position that he had been in, right? So something to consider with that. And we, we, as we move into the Venus Uranus trine, we may have to come to terms with the, the aging process in particular too. So that's another thing that is just very important to think about. I'm a little bit nervous about his, you know, what he's doing with the Bucks because he's 33 years old. He's getting older, and I really hope he can stay healthy. I guess that would be what I would say. Both of them need to be able to stay healthy um, to have success. So let me go back. I hope that helped answer your question about Venus and Uranus, and and gave a little bit of a a little bone to the to the sports fans here as well. I'm looking back in the chart. I'm going to go back a little bit. So if you wrote a comment, uh, oh yes, Devin says Katie's been on the West Coast for 30 years. That's why I asked. Yeah, I, I would I would encourage you, Devin, to try it with her birth time, birth town. Um, I I think you'll have, find some some success with that method. I I definitely have. What I will also say too, my friends, is that. A technique is, in, is astrology, tarot, all of it is divination, in my, my humble opinion. And the, the, the true essence of divination to me is entrainment, which basically means that you are 
assigning meaning to a set of symbols that you can use re with a repeated method. So if you choose to use it with a relocated chart, that's what you should do every single time and you become entrained to that method. If you choose to use it with keeping the birth town the same, you should do that every single time. And because what you're doing is you're, you're saying to the, you're, you're coming into alignment with a frequency. You're, you are becoming like a radio receiver where you're, you're tuning the dial in to the frequency of the divine and keeping it on that channel. If you keep swishing the dial around all the time, you're never going to hear anything. For the signal to get clear, it needs to be able to be on one particular frequency or station, right? So yes, you can jump around, but you have to stay put on one of them every, for, for a certain period of time. Um, let's see. Okay, I'm just looking through the chat. Mr. Hindsight says, I wasn't referring to fate or destiny, but I might look at both. But when you did Tokyo, the chart didn't move. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe there's something with the program there, Mr. Hindsight. I think you're right. The rising sign should be much different in Tokyo. So it's probably just me not punching it in completely correctly. Uh, Michelle says, I found out I moved on a Saturn line, but since I'm a Capricorn rising and Saturn ruled, I don't look at it as a negative. Plus, I love where I moved to. Yeah, what I will say is that if you relocate and you do astrocartography, even if it's on a Mars or a Saturn line or a malefic line, you really want to understand what those planets are doing in your own chart for your experience of it. Because like Michelle is saying, Saturn is a positive planet in her chart. So she feels comfortable there. I'm a Cancer sun, so I feel comfortable on a moon line, right? And my moon in my chart is exalted on the midheaven. So my experience since I've moved here has been an advancement in my career and things of that nature. Whereas when I had a Saturn, when I lived on a Saturn line, that wasn't, it wasn't angular. It was in a, uh, it was in a, um, an aversion house and it was, it was, I had Saturn in the second house so, and I had a lot of challenges with like trying to make money at, at, at the place where I had a Saturn line. I had to do a lot of growing up about budgeting and things like that. So it's a way different vibe. So always look at the condition of the planet in your own chart to make an assessment of the type of experiences you might have or the type of relationship to your experiences that you might have. Again, I, I truly believe that some of the experiences are going to be similar. But our, our attitude in relationship to that, I do think, can shift based on where we are and our comfort level with it. Um, Monique says, uh, oh, yes, yeah, so Monique was talking about Saturn, South Node. Devin has a question, says, how do you interpret the balsamic moon and how would it show up on the first house of Aries? Mm, right, do you mean natally? Mm. Balsamic moons are, okay, I'm going to get rid of Damian Lillard's chart here. Sorry, I don't mean to rub it in. Devin, <laughs> I know. It's... Oh, boy. It's Dame time in Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm pretty excited, so your loss is my gain, but I've, I've definitely been there when my favorite team traded away a beloved player. It is hard, but I will, in... Just to make you feel better though, Devin, Scoot Henderson is gonna be amazing. 
he's basically like the next Damian Lillard. So you should feel pretty darn good about the future over there because you got a really, really good player in the draft in this past year. So, so you're going to fall in love with Scoot Henderson and uh, just thank me later after the fact. Um, okay. So balsamic moons are basically the end of a lunar cycle, right? So, so if I took the moon, let's say we take the moon all the way forward and we look at the balsamic moon. Now this isn't exactly his question, but if we had a balsamic moon in Aries, okay, instead of Libra, and it was in the first house, uh, balsamic moons are the, the, the dark part of the lunar cycle. Uh, Demetra George talks about balsamic moons as consolidating a seed to be planted in the next lunar cycle. So it is like a tying up of all the loose ends, uh, being able to learn something from the previous cycle so that you can pass on a legacy. There's, there's legacy questions with, with balsamic moons where there's a, a ton of letting go. Um, there, it, there may not even be a desire to be visible. Like I think that I've, I've met a lot of people that are, were in like balsamic phases of their progressed chart where they were like, I don't want to be visible at all. I don't, I don't want to be public. I'm, I'm just kind of hiding out, getting ready for the new start and the new cycle. So I do think it's a very strong period of release, but also trying to figure out what you can glean from the previous cycle. Now, if it was in Aries in the first house, let's say it was in that natally, you may have an entire lifetime of, of trying to let go of all the barriers to becoming an individual, right? Or maybe you became a strong individual and you're having to figure out what's going to be let go of, of your individuality to, for the next cycle, right? Um, it, it, so there could be also a, a, a need to leave places or situations so that you can individuate, if that makes sense. I'm a last quarter moon. So, so last quarter moons always have these existential crises where they're, they're shifting their awareness of something. I've had so many experiences in my life where I've thought I knew something and then life was like, nope, that's not how it is. You're going to have to completely change your perspective. And I would also say that part of my work has been helping people let go of their belief systems that are getting in the way of manifesting acceptance or happiness. It's not true for everyone. Some people with waxing lunar phases in their chart will feel like they are in a growth lifetime, in a growth mindset. For me, it's been a letting go one. And I think a lot of people that have waning moons in their chart will feel similarly. So I hope that helps answer your question. Um, okay. Let's see. Jennifer is talking to Kate. I'm just looking for more questions. Oh, let's see. Prudence says, I am an Aries balsamic moon too, Devin, in the 11th house. So maybe Prudence, you've, maybe you can confirm or deny that maybe you've had to leave a friend group, right? Or, or an organization that you shared belief system with to be able to individuate or you had to learn how to 
glean some experiences that eventually you had to leave so that you could become an individual within those organizations, potentially. Uh, I'm just looking for more questions. Kate says, yes, Spencer, the trine with fallen Venus seems to be, seems a bit letting go of standards, maybe for the best. Yes, that could be, I, I, I think that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, yeah, I've always told clients that had some prominent Venus Virgo placements, sort of like a cook, you know, like, let's say your partner is cooking and the Venus and Virgo person comes in and is really uptight about if they're following the recipe or not, whereas the cook might be in the flow state and it takes them out of the flow state. So we, you have to be really careful about, be, about process, right? About being critical within relationships, about being so overly attached to how something is done rather than the essence of what is getting done. I would say also with that trine, you're also going to see an opposition to Neptune. So there's there's confusion around that as well. Neptune's going to be dissolving form. So Neptune and Saturn have been asking us to pay more attention to our why than the how and to be flexible with the why or with the how, I'm sorry, be flexible with how we get things done. Yeah, and Kate says this probably isn't what uh, Damien imagined either. No, I don't think it is. With with he, what he wanted was, you know, sipping margaritas on South Beach, you know, <laughs> and he's gonna get cheese curds in Oktoberfest in Milwaukee and winter. <laughs> so like, I mean, I have I have like I said, I have mixed feelings about it because I'm been a fan of small market Milwaukee for a long time, and it makes them the overwhelming favorites to win the championship next year. Uh, also, one thing it does too is it, I, I also appreciate when a player can't just make a demand about what they want to do and hold a team over the, the, a barrel. I don't really like when one player tries to put their needs above the needs of a, the group or a team. Although the argument could be made that the owners are trying to do that with the players. So there's, there's, it can go both ways. But I don't know. I think just because a player wants something doesn't mean that they should get it. He, he, you know, what he has is a two hundred plus million dollar contract that still has three to four years on it, and he's being paid very handsomely to like go play basketball. So whether he wants to do that in Miami or not is kind of irrelevant. He's still going to get two hundred million dollars, whether it's in Miami or Milwaukee or Portland or where whatever. He signed that contract and he's beholden to that. So, you know, there's a lot of different arguments and angles that you could look at around that situation. Uh, Kate is resonating with the story we've been telling. That's good. Yevgen is literally going to the cemetery to celebrate uh, Los de Muertes on October 31st. Um, yeah, which is the trine between Venus and Uranus. I think it, yeah, it's a really a, probably a good time of letting go, letting go of form and our, our attachment to it for sure, which is a good Scorpio thing too. I find a lot of similarities between Virgo energy and Scorpio energy, to be honest with you. I, I think that they, they really are resonant with one another. And, and a lot of it is, you know, Scorpio is the time where something is really decaying and there's just no vitality left and we have to leave, we have to let go of the form completely. 
Whereas the Virgo is sort of earlier in the process where we're trying to identify what we need to save against decay and what we need to let go of. Yeah, and Devin, Devin is uh, happy that Dame has a chance to get a ring. Me too, friend. <laughs> You'll be a Bucks fan this year. Yes, there's there's plenty of room on the on the bandwagon, Devin. You are welcome aboard the Bucks train, my friend. And I've been a Bucks fan since I was a little kid. My grandparents grew up in Milwaukee, and I'll tell you what, they were really, really bad for many, many years. And the fact that they've been good for the last like six or seven years, or however long Giannis has come into his own, has just been really, really exciting and just think of a long-suffering fan base that has finally has a, a superstar planet finally got over the hump of a championship it's just it's just been magical to witness and and people in wisconsin are amazing fans too so it's just really a great story um let's see let's see prudence says i've cycled out of a ton of friend groups in life for sure yeah so you're confirming that balsamic energy in the in the eleventh house with the Aries moon there, and hopefully it's helping you find your own sense of identity, Prudence. Like, so that once you understand where you stand within the group, then that'll help you to figure out what who you are. Right? Sometimes we have to go through different friend groups to to be able to understand who we are. Right? I, I, that's I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Jennifer says also have a gibbous waning moon in the 10th and feel that letting go. Yes, for sure. Okay. Other questions. We're, we're sort of kind of coming to the end of our time here. Any final questions before we sort of begin to wrap for the day? It's been a cool conversation. Lots of really intelligent, amazing questions. Um, I'm going to remind you once more, friends. Uh, and again, you could put it and if there's another question, I'll stick around for another 15 minutes or so, or we can start to kind of go about our day. Um, I have an awesome offering that is coming on Monday, October the 2nd. It's the deck and walk. It's the biggest offering I've created. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I hope that you'll join me for it. Um, sign up is today and tomorrow. If you're listening to this after the fact, Registration closes uh, on Saturday, September 30th. You can still reach out tomorrow and set something up with me. Um, I'm trying to close registration a day or two early so we can get all of the administrative tasks done before class. Um, if for some reason you reach out to me after the fact and you truly want to sign up, I probably will still let you do it. But uh, if you are truly interested, try to save me the headache of trying to sign people up uh, an hour before class. How about that? <laughs> like, but I would be so very grateful if you'd go on this journey with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've got some really cool people already signed up and ready to go. Uh, you get over 30 hours of educational webinar material. We're going to meet twice a month for uh, two to three hours at a time. You don't necessarily have to come in person. There will be recordings of the classes. If you want to, if you, if you can't make that time, there'll be a Discord group to have discussions in between classes. You'll be a PDF workbook and deck and flashcards to work with. We're going to be reading T. Susan Chang's 36 Secrets. I'm really excited about it, and I hope that you'll uh, join me for that. Um, and yeah, Decans of Libra is on sale right now, too, for 20% off if you want to pick that up. 
and uh, reach out for a reading. If you need help during this uh, eclipse period, I know that eclipses can be pretty stressful. So keep in mind, um, there's going to be void of course moons before the eclipses, Hellenistic void of course moons, the three days or so before the eclipses. So uh, try to, to maybe give yourself extra space in your schedule around those periods of time because they can be a little bit disorientating. And just realize that you've been through, however old you are, you've been through quite a few eclipses. And yes, maybe they brought some changes. Some were good, some not as good. But you've lived through them, you've survived, and you've learned from them. And this is no different. Eclipse season always makes people a little bit nervous, especially if they study uh, ancient astrology. But they're just changes. It's just change, right? And this is the nature of something that you can count on, is change. And when you accept change, and when you flow with change, you're going to have a lot less stress in your life. I think that the stress that we experience is from resistance, resisting the changes that need to happen in our life, of trying to hold on to forms that don't serve us anymore. It can be, create a lot of sadness, create a lot of resistance and anger. It can create a lot of tension. And this is something I've been trying to learn as a, just as a spiritual practitioner, uh, is flowing with the currents of my life, flowing with the Tao, flowing with the way that my life wants to carry me towards. Um, doesn't mean we don't have any agency. We definitely have agency, but oftentimes there are things in our life that are carrying us in certain directions. And when we come into alignment with them, I'd say this every morning when I sit at my altar and I pray, is that help me to come into alignment with the Tao and the divine plan. Help me to lower my resistance to the changes that need to take place in my life. And that has served me fairly well. Um, I'm just as stubborn as any of you. Like I have Leo rising, fixed rising, fixed moon. But I found that my life works better when I welcome the changes rather than resist them. So I hope that's uh, what you are all able to do this time around as well. And... Um, I hope that you'll join me for uh, this journey that we're going on over a year. It will be really amazing opportunity to create uh, some intimacy with a group and to just observe each other's lives as we go through the, the circle of the wheel together. Okay, that I think is what I have for you today. Uh, I appreciate all of you, all of your great questions. Um, let's see, uh-oh. Someone's having challenges with my website. <sighs> well, we'll figure it out. Hopefully, if you're clicking on the link that's in the chat, it opens up the thing to the website. So uh, Monique has a question. In the class, will we be discussing all the planetary placements in the Deccans? Chang seems to focus on the sun. Absolutely, Monique. Uh, this is going to be uh, an in-depth examination of our own personal charts, of charts of famous people, of being able to just see how different planetary influences will, will manifest within the Deccans, having the Deccans in a different house, having planets in a different Deccan. We're, you know, we're going to go, like I said, we're going to go all in on a journey with it. So again, hope that you'll join me for that. If you're having questions or challenges signing up, just send me an email at spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. I will help you out. I'm not sure what's going on with the website. 
I think it's okay, but you never know. Uh, there's always something going on, right? But just reach out and I'll help you get signed up. Okay, friends, that is what I have for you today. I hope that uh, you're doing well today and that you're having a great weekend and that the full moon is treating you well. And um, yeah, we'll just keep your eyes peeled for other offerings as well. If you can't do the deck and walk, it's okay. There'll be other things to, to sign up for and participate in. And just make sure you're signed up for the email list on that. Go over and support my partner, Tanya Andrews at Third Coast Mojo on uh, Instagram, as well as signing up for her email list as well. She's got a number of new offerings and some classes and subscription services that are going to be coming out soon too. So great way to keep it up to date with um, some magical practices as well. So that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much, friends, for hanging out with me, for all of your wonderful insights and questions. And uh, I will see you the next time. I'll see you either next week or maybe even the week after that. We'll see how things are going. And um, be right back here answering your questions, analyzing all the lunations, astrology of the month, etc. So thanks again, friends. Take care. Peace.